Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Jeff Mara Podcast, episode uh, eight, I believe. And this podcast was created live on Facebook and Twitch and then created into an audio podcast for you. So today we have Alexis Floor. She's author of the six weeks dating program called Connecting to Love, and she's a professional dating coach. And tonight we'll be discussing the five problems that stop you from dating now. So welcome, Alexis, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. And actually, I go by Alex Floor, so everything on social media is Alex. Okay, gr- Alex. okay great. And so I should be calling you Alex? Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. All right, a little per- confusing, but it's okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Alex. So tell tell us about your background and how did you become a dating coach? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, I got married at eighteen. Uh, my my first ex husband and I uh, like grew up together in the same town, known each other since we were six, and it just seemed like the the right thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. the thing that you did. We were both religious. Um, and, you know, kind of lo and behold, it, it didn't work out. <laughs> so wow. I was, yeah, um, I think so. The So I was single when I was 21 or 22, divorced, mm-hmm. um, didn't do a lot of dating. I had two kids, um, two babies. And so I kind of was just really looking for um, like stability. And, you know, I, you know, I, I got married at, at 18 because I wanted a family and wanted to, my home life wasn't the most stable. Right. So, you know, looking back on it now, uh, retrospectively, that's what I was looking for always was like a family, someone that I could take care of and they could take care of me. Right. And, um, got, got, uh, into a relationship again, really quickly got pregnant, um, got married and then was divorced by 27. Okay. So So, that one lasted longer. Yeah, the marriage did. Mm-hmm. The actual relationship was about the same time, like about five years, five and a half years. Okay. So, um, but again, I had two more kids out of it. So I have, I have two, I have four uh, amazing, wonderful children. Mm-hmm. Um, but at 27, I didn't know myself. Right. Uh, and so I went through a lot of, I guess you could call them phases, but you know, it's like um, kind of experimentation and um, you know, granted, that's that's not the best thing to do when, when you have small children. But I think at the time, you know, I, I kind of found myself like divorced, feeling mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I, I was a failure. I had failed. Uh, I didn't know how to date. I didn't know what even really what I wanted out of life because I had wanted a family both of these times. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, I got the, I got my wonderful children, I hadn't gotten any, you know, partnership. Right. Um, and it's mainly because I didn't know what I was looking for. So I went through a lot of, um, you know, experimenting with, with who I was and the kind of person that I wanted to be things that I think typically people go through when they're, you know, uh, end of adolescence and early adulthood. Um, I was experiencing at the, the end of my twenties And, um, you know, I had a lot of unsuccessful dating and I had a a relationship that, that also, you know, wasn't successful. Um, and I, and, and so after that third, you know, long-term relationship ended, I really just realized I need to figure out what it is that I want in life, what I need from a partner, because that was something I think that 
maybe myself and a lot of women, um, and, and maybe, you know, just, just people in general, especially if you don't have a lot of experience knowing yourself, you think you can change, right. you know, either the person will change for you or you can change for them, you know, so you can make it work. And I realized, you know, I needed to know myself first and know the needs and the wants of the relationship that I was looking for mm-hmm. so that I didn't waste my time dating people who, you know, ultimately um, would kind of be in the same effect as those prior relationships where it's just not going to work out because they didn't want the same things as me or they didn't even know that I wanted them because mm-hmm. I kept those things to myself and that built up so much resentment. I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid to be open. Mm-hmm. And so um, my program that I wrote, Uh, connecting you to love six week program. It's really the way I describe it is like a love letter to myself. Okay. A letter saying like, you know, Alex, you, you have to, you have to know yourself first. And so that's kind of the tagline of it is, um, know yourself, love yourself, find someone. Mm -hmm. That was like the whole idea of it was ask, I asked myself all kinds of questions. And within the program, I asked lots of questions like, um, we talk about, uh, you know, sexual orientation, relationship orientation, you know, in regards to like, are you strictly monogamous? Are you strictly open or polyamorous or, you know, all these different kinds of relationship orientations that there are that I think people don't really talk about a lot of times. Um, and then, you know, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Do you want a uh, a life with children? Do you want a life without children? Do you want a life where you travel? Do you want a life where you live in the suburbs and kind of it's routine all the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like a lot of introspection. It's really getting to know everything about yourself and who you are mm-hmm. so that not only when you meet someone, you have expectations of them, you know, but you also have expectations of yourself. Keep yourself honest right. and you're vulnerable right. with them about that honesty. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's the the way that that program is designed is, uh, it's six weeks, you get one workbook per week and there's all different kinds of things you can do in it. Like you can, you can, uh, write in it like journal style, but you can color, you can doodle, um, you can, uh, you know, there's, there's little like fill, you know, fill in activities. And so I just designed it like, what would I want if I was really looking into, you know, if I had a book that was kind of not telling me what to do, because that's that's another thing is there's a lot of dating and relationship material out there that's kind of telling you what a relationship should be or what this should look like. And instead of asking you, what should your relationship be? What should your relationship look like? And so that's really what the program's about. And yeah, again, it was just just a big love letter to myself, mm-hmm. very much like you know, I needed this for myself. And I realized as I started talking to people and showing people what I had written, it took me about six months to write it. Um, So many people need this. It's almost like, you know, you get licenses all the time for all different kinds of things. So licenses, certifications, Mm -hmm. degrees, you have to learn how to do the job before you can do the job. right? Right. Right. And so when we think about our interpersonal relationships, how many people out there have, you know, really like taking courses on consent, taking courses on asking for what you need in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Take, you know, I mean, these are things that I think really when, when we think about dating, we think about relationships, it just seems like such a natural process, something that should be done, something we should do. 
we don't ask ourselves those questions. Mm -hmm. We don't feel introspective. We kind of just throw ourselves in it and feel like we're going to navigate it and figure it out as we go along. And obviously, you know, it's difficult to date. It's difficult to date online. When Mm -hmm. you get a relationship, it's difficult to maintain that relationship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times down the road, when you've already invested your time, your money, your efforts, and your your heart, you that's when these vulnerable things start to come out. That's when these like, oh, actually, this makes me uncomfortable. This is what I actually need. Mm-hmm. And you start finding that that person, you know, may not be able to accommodate you for that. And you kind of think, well, I don't want to go back to dating. I don't want to have to do this process all over again. Right. So you start settling, but then you become resentful. And right. that's just for the relationship you start you you have a breakdown in communication a lot Mm -hmm. of times there's a breakdown in affection Mm -hmm. um and so it's just kind of like if if that's what i really set out to do is if i could teach people take what i learned Mm -hmm. and if i could teach people that then before they even go out on that first date they can already have all the answers to these questions and they can practice that's a big part of it too of the program is practicing how to present these things in a way that can be receptive to, you know, just, and, and that someone can say the other person, they can say, yeah, actually I would really like that. Or no, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like something I want for my life. Right. So, so do you, uh, let me kind of backtrack here. Um, now, first of all, you got married at 18 and he was the only, was he the only guy that you ever dated? So I did have some boyfriends in high school, but I was um, I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and I was extremely, um, you know, I was hardcore Catholic. I've I've always done lots of research, and mm-hmm. I've always been very interested in whatever is you know my mind is set. I throw myself into it. So I actually in high school studied to be a Catholic apologist. I don't know studied, what that is. It's like it's a person who defends the faith and goes out and converts. So for example. I wanted to have conversations with people Mm -hmm. who were in other major world religions. So I went out and learned about their religions Mm -hmm. so that when I spoke to them, you know, and essentially trying to convert them to Catholicism, I could be able to answer their questions and basically tell them how what they believed wasn't right. Right. Now, before before I get a bunch of, you know, comments or uh-huh. <laughs> anything about that, mm-hmm. um, my own spiritual journey has led me to be agnostic. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, but that's the kind of, that's the kind of, uh, you know, person I was back then, you mm-hmm. know, I, and I was a virgin when I got married and right. um, that was like super, I mean, now I don't really believe in virginity, um, right. but at the time that was where my mind was. So. Right. I was very, very dedicated, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, this is what you do. If I don't get married at 18 and have a family and procreate mm-hmm. for God, I'm going to become a nun, right. basically where yeah, I sure. was at that time. Well, you know, also, um, as far as I know, I think medically your brain is not completely formed or grown until you're 25, and I believe that mm-hmm. may be the reason insurance rates on your car don't go down until you're 25. Do you think yeah. that do you think that maybe perhaps no one should even get married until they're 25 because they're really not fully grown on their brain? That's one question and the second one you can follow it up with is um, at what age do you think that you will really know who you are for then to decide who you want to date, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. So those are really um, very interesting questions. I think there's always going to be outliers. There's always right. going to be, you know, those couples who got married young and for whatever reason, you know, they make it and they're happy. Right. And, and it's great. And, they, and they're together until they pass away. You right. know, I mean, they're, they're, but, but I think generally speaking, um, people who have been in situations like mine, for the most part, seem to have a really, really difficult time making their relationship work. And just from what I've seen, it seems like they either kind of fall into this pattern of, you know, acceptance and, and maybe resentment, but they're okay with that because they don't really know anything different mm-hmm. um, or that, you know, they're like me and they, and they break up um, right. because they, right. they just can't handle, you know, what it is that they've put themselves into. It's not what they thought or what they expected it was going to be like. Right. Um, right. And I, as to the second question, I don't know if there's like a certain age. I think that, Again, if we were able to to really look at at who we are, really, and, you know, do this kind of coursework almost, mm-hmm. kind of like a certification for being mature enough to, you know, introduce your life and yourself into another person. Yeah. Um, you know, we wouldn't have so many of the issues that we have now, like all this, all the Me Too, everything that's come up recently. Mm-hmm. Even, even more recently than that, you know, you hear, t- I've heard maybe because I'm in my field and that's the research I do, but mm-hmm. I've heard mm-hmm. so many stories about people who've been in quarantine couples who've really, really struggled and yeah. really yeah. like had to ask themselves these questions of, is, is this actually what I want? Because I don't even know if I can be around this person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's kind of an isolated thing. Although that's, that depends on what the future holds for us and coronavirus mm. and all yeah. that. But, but I mean, it, it seems like, there's also all different kinds of stressors on a relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was always taught was that, no, especially as a woman, and this is interesting too, because gender roles are, even though like as a society in the United States, we kind of try to move away from traditional gender roles. And you can see that in a lot of, um, you know, our society and our cultural aspects that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but but even gender roles, like I know for myself as a woman and a Hispanic woman, I was taught from a very early age that I'm the one who's supposed to be cleaning. I'm the one who's supposed to be taking care of the kids. I'm the one who's supposed to be cooking. Mm-hmm. If something bothers me, I'm supposed to swallow it. Right. I, I'm supposed to persevere. And especially then when you add like religion and God into it, that's another stressor because it's like, well, what makes God happy? Well, mm. raising raising children and being a family for God and projecting that to other people. And, right. you know, and so it's just kind of like, well, you either have to put this face on for people in your relationship or outside of your relationship and present this happy relationship or, or you have to like really look inside yourself and ask is, is this what I want? And that's difficult because if you're already in a situation where you're, you know, legally bound to somebody there, there's so many issues of like, will I be financially stable if I leave? How, how can I support, you know, my kids if I'm on a single income now? Or how can I emotional? How can I be there emotionally for, you know, myself or my, you know, friends or my children or whoever if, if I'm going through this very stressful emotional process of uncoupling of leaving this situation, you know? So there's. It, it just seems it just really like when, once it hit me, it hit me so hard that it's like, no, I need to basically put myself through boot camp, mm-hmm. you know, and I did it for about a year um, mm-hmm. where 
where I just kind of realized like, yeah, I need a boot camp of like figuring out who I am because I cannot continue. Obviously, it was this cycle, this very messy cycle of, well, I'll just figure out who I am with whoever I'm whoever I'm with. Right. You know? yeah. And I felt this desire like, no, I'm not secure unless I have a relationship, unless I'm in a relationship. And I had to ask myself, well, where does that come from? And yeah. what yeah. is it that I'm actually missing you know, or I don't know about myself yet, that makes me feel incapable of being single. Right. Yeah. It sounds like even, you know, from what you're saying that who you were was already decided for you by the church and by, you know, family and your mother. And you never really, you know, had a chance to really decide, you know, what you wanted to do with your life. So, you know, I mean, you know, makes yeah. a lot of, makes a lot of sense that you got to figure out, you know, your goals, what you want to do with life. Although you are saying that you don't want to settle but I don't, do you think that there is also a perfect person for everybody? I would assume everybody has to compromise on, on you know, mm -hmm. on some things. There's not like a perfect where you're, you know, where do you draw the line between too much settling and comprom and, and, or you're settling or you're just compromising? So, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dan Savage. He's a sex and he's a sex dating and relationship coach. Um, he's done that for, you know, 20 years mm -hmm. and, um, he's someone that affected me a lot, especially with some of the, the things he would talk about when I was going through like my spiritual journey about, you know, what do I actually believe what's mm -hmm. okay to, to experiment or, you know, all of that. Um, it was provocative for sure, but so mm -hmm. many things resonated with me. And one of the things that he always says is pay to play. Like if you're if you're uh, at an amusement park and you want to ride a certain ride, yeah. well, you got to pay an entrance fee to get in, right? Sure. And so he likens that to um, relationships and saying like, look, obviously you have to know what's healthy for you and what isn't. And mm. if you are in a situation where um, you know your mental health, your emotional health, and as, you know, especially also if your physical health or physical safety is compromised, that's not a situation where you should be settling. Right. Um, but right. if you're able to recognize that, and you you feel healthy, and you you know that this is a healthy situation, there's just these things that I don't really like that much. Mm -hmm. um, you have to decide. Well, are you going to pay to play? Are you going to um, say, look, this is this is something that I don't always feel great about. I don't really like it all the time, but everything else is really, really good. Um, mm. And and you kind of have to, it's just a, you, again, like so much about what I do and what I teach is about self-introspection. Mm. You have to ask yourself those hard questions. You have to be vulnerable with yourself. And if you cannot be vulnerable and honest with your partner about your doubts, about um, the questions of, of your life and what you want about things that are changing um, mm -hmm. within you, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be with that person anyway. And that right. would definitely be a really big uh, red flag as far as like, should I leave or should I go? Should I settle about these little things? You know, if you, mm -hmm. if you can't even talk to your partner about those things, you shouldn't be in that situation. Right. Um, let me ask you this. You'd mentioned that around age, I guess around 27 or after your second marriage, marriage, you started um, experimenting in life. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So um, I started asking myself, um, you know, that, well, I guess there was a lot of things coming out of the time, um, you know, like gay rights had, uh, mm. had just been like gay marriage had just been legalized. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we started having conversations about new terminology also started popping up about like gender identity and sexual orientation. Right. And we started hearing about polyamory. Right. So I really just like started asking myself a, a lot of questions and it, it was, it was really confusing, especially going through the process on my own, mm-hmm. especially like having to, um, you know, do this while I was also a mom. Yeah. Um, but I also like, I was driven by the fact of, of knowing that I needed to be my best self for, for my kids. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a period of time where it was really, really difficult. And I, I, I mean, I guess I could even say like, I lost myself for a little bit there. Just, just feeling like, you know, I wasn't, I, I like, you know, I was on this roller coaster of learning all this new information. Right. Um, <laughs> And still not knowing who I was, right. you know, um, and and I like I said, you know, I really just sat down and was like, I need to put myself through boot camp. And right. I asked, I kind of just made a list of all these questions, like, okay, all these identifiers. I think is where I started. You mm-hmm. know, um, again with the terminology, there were so many different new terms and new like lang- new words in the language being created um, mm-hmm. at the time that and conversations at the time that that had that you know were encompassing all these different lifestyles, I guess, or ways that a person could present or express themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I kind everything that I, I just read everything, Okay. And everything that I could, that I read, I kind of just took it into a journal and I wrote everything down. And I just asked myself all these questions and it, it, I would say it took me the better part of a year. Um, probably at age 30 mm-hmm. was when I really like decided that, you know, or went through that process of, of, I need to figure out who I am. Right. Um, and, and that's what I did. Right. Okay. I might have a question here. Let me see what um, somebody is saying. He says, my crush is beautiful. I care about her and I might love her, but I'm straight and she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. And I can't date girls who are not straight too. So SOS. Well, I mean, it sounds yeah. like if you're straight and she's bi and you know what you want, and if that's not what she want, what you want, then um, unfortunately she's not for you. I don't. That's how I read it. How would you say that? Yeah. Um, that's based on what you had actually just taught me. Yeah, I honestly, I would want to pick this person's brain more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would want to ask them some more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think I would ask them well, why do you feel like you can't date a bisexual person? Mm-hmm. Um, and just my first inclination is thinking that like maybe this person is monogamous and they're mm-hmm. worried that that person would be unsatisfied with them if they could no longer, you know, if they were in a committed relationship with them and then they could no longer, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, you know, I guess express themselves with the other gender. Right. Um, that's something that I hear a lot as well. But again, like I, I would have to have a little bit more information about that. But yeah, I mean, if it, if it gets at the point where he says SOS, you know, he's mm. asking for, or, I'm sorry, don't mean to oh, it's okay. know if it's a male or a female or, or whatever, I'm, whoever I'm, is asking. I'm assuming it's a male. Uh, it sounded like that, but I, but, but I, she I, is I an, oh yeah, he is. Cause he says as a man. Okay. 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 So, um, so I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, I would just say that, you know, this this is a this is something that you have to figure out for yourself because right. as we're going um, on, you know, more and more every year, mm-hmm. women are identifying as bisexual or not just straight. Right. So this is going to be something that I would think you're going to continue 
um, running into. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself this question, like, well, what, what is it exactly that I feel like I cannot handle um, in a relationship with a person who isn't straight? Right. Um, and once you have the answer to that question, then you can start going and work, you know, kind of like breaking it down, working it out for yourself. What is it that I'm, a, I'm afraid of? Right. What is it that I'm so worried about? And then maybe, maybe this isn't the relationship for you. Maybe, right. you know, sometimes, sometimes, a lot of times I think that's another thing is we don't really, we aren't really taught to trust our intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if he's feeling like, if he's feeling like, he, you know, there's something, there's something there that doesn't feel right. That mm-hmm. might be something that you need to go with, but mm-hmm. definitely continue asking yourself questions. Be introspective. Take this opportunity, mm-hmm. this issue that has come up and ask yourself these, these questions, because I, I would, I would wager that it's going to continue coming up. Yeah, in the that's future. A, yeah. That'd be interesting if you kept attracting to yourself bisexual partners or you keep finding yourself attracted to those type of partners mm-hmm. but the also is interesting if you think about it it is if if you're in a monogamous relationship with a bisexual what difference does it make because they're only supposed to be with you if that's your yeah. it's, it's like a contract right but um or if you're going to be in a you know with a relationship with someone who's bi then is it going to be open so the person can see the opposite gender, you know, or the same gender for them? You know, that's kind of also like kind of an agreement. I would assume you guys would have to make up front, and maybe right. the fear would be that it eventually the person will just decide I'm not bi, I'm gay, and just leave him all together. That that could be a fear, and and you know, yeah, I just keep coming back to it because to me it's so important. Like we we have to know ourselves, and there definitely is mm-hmm. that time of of exploration and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think when that's happening, it would be in not only our best interest, but our future partner's best interest to, Mm -hmm. you know, know yourself as well as you can know what you want, know what your expectations are. um, So that when you do meet that person, when you like, before you go on the first date, before you go out trying to date, so that when you do, you are ready, you feel like you know yourself enough. You feel like, you're able to communicate the right. things that you've learned about who you are. Right. Then you can start dating and you know, you, you can, I mean, and you can tell really quickly when you're, when you're doing like authentic dating mm-hmm. um, within the first date. And it's interesting because um, you know, uh, there, there, there is a narrative out there of, especially with online dating mm-hmm. of, you know, make your profile perfect, make sure you say the right things, make sure right. you look the right way, you know, right. and, have the right pictures and, and set up all these little things mm-hmm. to create a situation where someone's going to be attracted to you. Mm-hmm. But if you are doing that, that that's, I mean, in and of itself is manipulation. Right. And it's only going to backfire on you because eventually, especially if you, if you get that third date and that third date turns into six months or that turns into marriage or whatever, mm-hmm. who you are is going to come out regardless of, of whether you know, you think you know who you are, or even if even if you do know who you are, you're changing. You, you're, people are always changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. And a way to have a partner be able to do that with you mm-hmm. is for you to establish that open, authentic, upfront communication on the very first date so that they have that expectation of you. And when you start changing or they start changing, there's the trust there that you can get through this together because you're able to be honest and authentic with each other. Right. Now let's kind of, let's shift gears a little bit because I feel like most of your work 
and what you do is help people discover who they are. And once mm-hmm. they discover, not only discover who they are, but discover what they want, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, would you say, the major- I would assume that's the majority of you do. But once you've discovered yeah. yourself and discover what you want, do you go beyond that? Like, do you have, um, you know, tips for dating and tips for, you know, like, like for example, um, do, uh, like, like just for example, like what would be your ideal first date? Yeah. Okay. So my ideal first date. Um, so I've, I had to practice this a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I was dating, it was always a, a, a source of contention for mm-hmm. me to have to talk about my past. Right. Um, that Because I, I mean, the way that I viewed myself again, like I was saying in the beginning was I was a failure. You know, I was a failure at relationships. I was especially a failure at marriage. Right. um, You know, and, and also that I had children. So that was something that I, I really had to overcome uh, and practice saying on the first date, practice bringing it up. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask me what my ideal first date is, I mean, part I, you know, ideally I would, I would run through it perfectly say, this is exactly, you know, what my life is, this is my situation right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and if you're ready, if this is something that, that you feel like you can handle and you can take on, like, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Ideally, they would be like, oh, yeah, like, mm-hmm. let's I'm glad that you're honest. I'm mm-hmm. glad that that you're open with, you know, um, and there was a date actually where that that the the guy was was really great. And, um, you know, I this was while I was figuring all this out for myself. And I think it was like the second date or the third date. And I had, I, I'd been feeling so much anxiety about telling him about mm-hmm. my marriage and, and my, or my past marriages and my children. Mm-hmm. And I told him on like the third date and I asked, you know, well, how do you feel about that? You know, what do you think about it? We seem to click really well. And he said, you know, if, if I think if you had waited one more date, I would have said, no, I'm out of here. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not open to this because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have felt like you're honest with me about these things. Right. Um, yeah. And we actually ended up dating a little bit longer. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it just there were other things that didn't work out. Like sure. he, he was very committed to, um, you know, his, his he was a, a partner in a financial firm and also like very committed to um, like his workout routine and, and it's just not where I was at the time. Right. Um, uh, yeah, my ideal date would be someone responds really well to me when I, when I tell them all of those things. Right. Um, and typically right. we're at a coffee shop. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, I got a question from gamer girl and uh, we've already, I think she came to the stream late, but she just wanted to know what you, you know, uh, what are your certifications? Are you a certified coach or therapist? So I'm definitely not a a therapist. And that's something that I tell people, you know, right at the beginning all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, I'm not a therapist. And as far as dating certifications go, there are some mm-hmm. certifications out there that are for dating coaches, right. but they're more like matchmakers, oh. very different than what I do. Right. Um, so I kind of felt like being in this industry, which is is successful and like matchmaker industry has been mm-hmm. around for a long time. But sure. what I was trying to do specifically doesn't, it didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up writing a certification program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, you know, the, my my program that I use for my clients is mm-hmm. basically like a love letter to myself. I put myself through that program as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I wrote a certification program for 
other people who would want to do, um, you know, coaching, dating coaching, which is like what you were saying. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more about getting people ready to date. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, I kind of like that instead of letting somebody certify you, you become the certifier and, (laughs) and they, and they certify you. Um, all right. So what is your opinion of, of websites like, um, and this is from, uh, another guest, uh, another, um, guest on Twitch. What are your opinions of dating sites like match Tinder, and those other ones? And I mean, I assume they would be useful at some point, right? So I think it can be useful, um, to the extent that they ask you questions and you, there is some introspection process mm-hmm. there. And again, that, and that depends on which sites you're using. You know, mm-hmm. I know match or not, not match like, okay, Cupid, for example, has like thousands and thousands of questions that, that you can ask yourself. And wow. I too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, that was like five years ago mm-hmm. whenever I, I tried that out for myself. Okay. But, um, but you know, I think it does depend on the, on the, dating website and the dating app that you're using too. And if you are discerning, like I, well, I want to get out there and I'm going to use dating apps because that's, what's convenient for me right now. Um, you have to really do your research and you have to know which dating sites is it, you know, that, that are going to serve you best, your personality and the kind of people that you want to attract. So, yeah. So, and there's so many sites out there, you know, again, I wouldn't just say like, get on what is ever popular, you know, what's most popular at the time. You really need to do your research. You really need to figure out like, what, what are the demographics that this website is trying to serve? Um, what is it that I'm looking for in a partner? And is that represented well in this, you know, in this, uh, this pool in this dating app? And then also, um, you know, do some research and like, what are their success rates? You know, if they have, you know, if they're, if they're a good app and they've been around for a while or you know they they have been making matches most most um uh companies will post those kinds of things oh, okay so i think that that's very important and just make sure that they are like i would say make sure they are asking you questions that you find are meaningful to you because mm. if they're asking you those questions they're gonna be asking the other person those questions right okay and speaking of questions yeah. and and um and this can go with your first date or with your profile um can you give out is it possible that you put up too much information up front at first like either on your profile or on a first date that just scares someone away and or um if that's true uh do you have any just tips that you would have on putting on a profile to make you either i guess to make you either more attractive or to make you Mm -hmm. you know help you find someone that you're really looking for yeah. So again, I would say um, how like too much information. It depends on like the the website, the dating site that that you're putting your profile on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of platforms that that you know the profile template that they have calls for a lot of information. Mm. Um, and and again, if people are open and honest about what they want and what they're mm-hmm. looking for in a partner, mm-hmm. if you, a lot of people will say like, don't be so open or don't write paragraphs. Well, right. if that's what someone's looking for, you're, those are the people that you're going to attract. And if you're like me, I'm someone who um, I can just go off on a tangent, like one thought in my brain and I could talk for like 30 minutes. Right. That's not going to be attractive to, you know, like probably 95% of right. the population. Right. But, 
but are those the people that I want? So I would say, like, I'm not, I'm not, I've been in those relationships where I've had people say like, you're very, you're annoying me at this moment. Wow. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so I, I don't want to attract those kinds of people. I want to be who I am. I want, and, and if I'm someone who, you know, needs to, and I have seen it before. Like I used to wonder, like, why do I feel like everything that, that I want to say and feel like I need to say um, is shut down by this partner. They're just not interested. Mm-hmm. I don't want a partner who's just going to like skim my profile for like pics and just a couple of quotes, you know, right. and, but that's just personally, that's just right. me. So if you are that kind of person who maybe you don't talk as much, mm-hmm. but you're a photographer or something, that mm-hmm. is what needs to be highlighted on your profile. If you're someone who has like a thousand interests and you really like researching, you really like reading, or this is your favorite book series, you know, or you love to do uh, runs with your dog every single day, five times a day or whatever, you know, right. those are the things that you need to highlight on your profile and, and people will find you. It may take longer, but you know, you asked me earlier about if I thought that there was a, the one, well, if, if you, if you do believe in that concept, there's mm-hmm. one person, mm-hmm. do you want your profile to be, uh, attractive to like 90% of the people out there just so that you can have a date eventually? Right. Or do you want your profile to represent who you are so that you find that person who matches you? Right. Let me get another question here. This is from Alfredo Ramirez. Uh, what do you recommend for dating late in life? Yeah. So, so and what does late? I was going to say, what does late in life mean? How do we define that? 50, 70, 60? Yeah. So I think this question is is really interesting. Um, how do we define late in life? Yeah. I, I know that after I had had two, I was, I, you know, I wasn't in my 30s yet, mm-hmm. but after I'd had two marriages and four children, I felt like it was a really late time in my life. <laughs> like yeah, I, I could see that. my opportunity to do all the things that everyone else my age had, had been doing. Right. You know, so I think that's a very, um, uh, that's, that, that's a very like personal question because you can, you can also like, you know, you could be in a relationship for like 15 years, especially if it started early, you know, Mm. and then be in like your early forties and, and you feel that's the same thing. You feel like you don't know where to start. You don't know mm-hmm. where to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could you could be in a very similar situation to someone who's like say in their late sixties or their seventies whose spouse just passed away right. and they haven't right. dated for so long and they don't know where to begin. Clients that I've had that are dating later in life, I think a lot of times where they start is they kind of don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Dating has changed. You know, it's. I think, you know, when you, when you go into a bar scene, it's not really to pick anybody up anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Usually when people are going, they're going to meet up with people already. Um, and so I think the, the natural step is probably to think that you, that you should uh, be dating online. And that I think that you probably would have um, a little bit more uh, of a success rate if, if you are, um, using dating sites that are, you know, for people who are in the same situation, mm-hmm. you know, spouse has passed away, or maybe they've had a long-term relationship and they're starting over, or mm-hmm. maybe they're just at a place in their life where they're they're ready to start dating for, mm-hmm. you know, after a long period of time for whatever reason. Right. Um, and so I think in that situation, uh, 
because the the dating apps are like a little bit more tailored. The daily the dating app market's a little bit more tailored. It's easier for people to find matches. And also, um, I feel like people who are dating later in life are less picky mm-hmm. because you know they they know themselves a lot more and right. they know through life, you know, through their careers or through past relationships or whatever that. You know, you you accept people for who they are and you learn to deal with it and mm-hmm. you know, you're set in your ways and people will accept you or not. And so they they have a better idea of like grasping that dating authentically and not having to put up the facade, you know, mm-hmm. to attract people. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that that's like a actually a really good uh you know, positive thing that's in their favor. Yes. But a yes. lot of times, um and this is something that can be experienced you know, like I was saying before, in, in a lot of different situations, regardless of your age. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of time um, when, you know, I'm talking to, to clients that are older, um, they they sometimes come from situations where they don't have affection and they haven't had affection for a long time and they're just not used to it. Right. Um, or they're, they've, they're used to a certain lifestyle and they mm-hmm. don't really know how to, like, invite people into that. You yes. know, even yes. if they really want love, even if they're really looking for a mm-hmm. partner in life, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to stereotype anything, but like kind of like the whole like set in their ways kind of thing, again, which just comes with knowing themselves better because they've had more time to experiment and know themselves and yes. be in certain situations, know what they want, what they don't want. So, um, you know, they, they, they really, um, they, there's still fears there's still anxieties. There's still worries about, um, you know, how do, how do I fit in to this dating scene? You know, especially like what apps do I use if you're if you're dating? Or, um, you know, let's say that that for whatever reason they are coming out of a long term relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to have to figure out, you know, what are your interests now? Now that you're not in this relationship or now that you have this ability to, like maybe they're retired now yeah. and they have this ability to experience more free time. Mm-hmm. They have to figure out like, well, what activities am I interested in? What what are my, in, you know, what are my interests? And mm-hmm. I think that's a really good, for anybody, that's a really, really good place to start in finding people that you're going to connect with is mm-hmm. finding out what you're interested in and where you want to spend your time and where your heart is. Mm-hmm. Because if if you're doing that and you meet someone doing those same things, well, you already have that that bond there, this love of this thing. And you can be doing that thing and doing it together. And so I think that that's a that's a good place to start for you know finding love late in life is knowing knowing what you're interested in yeah. and going to those things, doing those activities, basically like living your life to the fullest, and then meeting someone who will meet you there where you are because that's that's what they're doing as well. On most relationships, do you think um, the end game is? life together forever or marriage or are there some really you know relationships that just want to have fun for a while and then move on yeah i i would definitely say that um there's a lot of people who uh don't have monogamy in mind even or don't have a legally commit legal commitment in mind mm-hmm. um or don't have starting a family in mind and mm-hmm. Those are the people that you need to be talking to. Those are the people that you you know that are having those same thoughts and those same desires mm-hmm. for themselves. Right. That's who you should be dating. Um, and and if you're in a situation where you're like, well, I'm not ready to date for a relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm just you know willing to date 
because I need that companionship, you know, when it's convenient for me or because I don't want to not receive affection and, you know, go home to my apartment every single day where, you know, like they could be very, very comfortable in life or, you know, whatever their life situation is, but just not have that interaction with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely am, would never turn someone away who, mm -hmm. you know, would say like, I'm not looking for a committed relationship because mm -hmm. all of these things still can apply. Um, still knowing yourself, mm -hmm. uh, knowing what you want your life to look like. You right. just also have to be able to tell that to the other person, because if you just, if you meet someone, I mean, how, how, like, there, there's a, a thing that Dan Savage says called the campsite rule. So it's leave a relationship in better shape than you found it. Yeah. So don't go into a date with you. You know that the intention is that you're not going to be in a committed relationship, but you don't tell that to, to the person you're dating, mm -hmm. you know, until down the line. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's not what I want at all. And I already have feelings for you. This is very stressful. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's not a situation that anybody should put anybody else in. So people who are looking for those kinds of situations um, that I guess you could say are non-traditional. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a I have a little issue with that, but I guess we could, for now we could call it that. Um, you still have to be vulnerable. You still can, have to be honest. You can, really should do it on the first date and mm -hmm. let this person know, like this is this is what I want. These are my expectations. Right. Are you okay with it? Yeah. How do you feel about it? Right. And then go from there. Have that conversation up front. The goal is not to get as many dates out of a person as you can. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get the the right relationship, regardless of whether it's on the more platonic side or just the sexual side or more ro more romantic side. Mm -hmm. Um authentically make an authentic connection with that person as you can. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you just want to be, have a, someone like friends with benefits, then as you just tell them up front, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. You're being authentic and then they can take it or leave it. Yeah. And that doesn't waste your time. Either. Yeah. And everybody's you know? and being honest up front and everybody, you know, yeah. and, and you know, that's just is what it is. All right. I've got another question here. What do you think about yeah. What do you think about dating outside of your race? Oh, okay. Um, th yeah, this is this is interesting. So I would say that um, we we can, we as people mm -hmm. cannot really control who we are attracted to. That's right. something that that I really believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and there, but there are real uh, factors that are involved as far as um, you know culturally. If it, you know if your cultures are different, if your backgrounds are different, the way your even like the way your families communicate. Mm -hmm. um, so like, for example, uh, my background is Mexican, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I grew up hearing people yell at each other a lot and yeah. be very, not just angry, but I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're joking. They're very loud. They're, you know, we're not, we're not quiet people who sit and eat very, you know, mm -hmm. eat very quietly or very loud. And that's not always going to jive with you know, someone who's not from that culture doesn't right. have that understanding, mm -hmm. um, doesn't have that experience. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they can't learn. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, you can't tone it down, especially if that's something that you want. If right. that's something that bothered you growing up, right. um, people can make different situations work. But you, I think you have to, you have to understand, especially if, if like, for example, if you're, uh, not a minority and you're mm -hmm. in a relationship with a person of color, mm -hmm. you should really do your research um, about, you know, 
talk to them first about what it was like for them growing up. What are some of the things that they've experienced, you know, as far as racism or Mm -hmm. prejudice um, and do some research in that. There's, there's, there's literally like more books than you could read in your lifetime about, you know, about racism and and all different, on all different kinds of racism backgrounds. Um, And that's, that's, I mean, I've, I've been called racial slurs before as well Mm -hmm. um, because of the, because I guess, you know, um, like I said, you know, I don't believe you can really, you can really like Kate or direct yourself to be attracted to certain kinds of people or whatever. You're just, you find your people who are attractive to you. That's, they're just attractive to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in situations in, uh, you know, relationships that are not with other Hispanic people. Um, and, and I've had some really negative things you know, slurs even, and, and just prejudices and stereotypes thrown at me as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to learn how to handle as a couple. Mm-hmm. And even if you cannot relate to your partner, mm-hmm. you have to at least be willing to hear them out if they're trying to talk to you about it. Right. You know, if, if you just want to pretend that those things don't exist, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a relationship that's going to work out no matter who you're with. Right. Let me ask you this. So, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've done some research and reading and i found it very fascinating it was about you know well let me kind of backtrack here and say i agree with you that people are cannot control what they're attracted to mm-hmm. and it, as a generalization men are attracted to phys- physical beauty mm-hmm. and women are attracted to um women are attracted to power and it doesn't mean like you have to be the president of the United States kind of power, but just strong emotionally, um, you know, strong, uh, mentally, you know, that kind of power, mental strength, more, uh, um, emotional strength. I guess there's some physical strength, but it is not necessarily when I say power is like, you know, a big bodybuilder guy but just someone right. who's um, uh, men who are just leaders alpha yeah, got alpha males security. alpha males leaders mm-hmm. and um this book was or what i'd reading about was kind of based on why women were uh, attracted to abusive men even mm. so do you do you think that you know women are naturally attracted to that and guys are naturally attracted to beauty and also some of that it makes it difficult on women because if they're not meeting some guy's beauty standard, then that's, you know, it's tough for them and and vice versa. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. So my thoughts on that are that a lot of that has to do with society and the way we've been taught from childhood, you know, up until being adults Mm -hmm. um, about what men and women are, the roles they serve, what they should look like. And that comes from our parents who comes from their parents. That comes from, uh, women not having uh, as big of a role in the in career, and mm-hmm. especially like in even in tech, even now it's something that they still have to really push their way forward to to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not like this is stuff we're talking about that is in the fifties and is in the past. These are things that we still have to deal with today. Um, and but but we're like in a a really confusing transitioning time where there's a lot of media coming out. There's a lot in certain areas also, because I would say that, that the society and the culture of surrounding gender roles uh, is definitely affected by the area that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're in this situation where like in, in television shows and, mm-hmm. and articles and with YouTube and like TikTok, like media, that's just constantly out. We're seeing such 
a more diverse idea about what men can be and what women can be. Mm-hmm. But it's still confusing because that's not how we were raised. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that I, and I can speak for myself when I like I said, I was looking for a family, all these things. What I was looking for was security mm-hmm. because I thought that that I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. Right. I thought that it was my I mean, firstly, I thought that it was my duty. But secondly, I thought I was just incapable of taking care of myself. And if I wanted to have children, I would have to have a husband who could provide for me so that I could stay home and have children and, and, you know, do all these, you know, womanly things that Mm -hmm. we're we're taught to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure men are the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's men haven't been raised to be emotional. They Mm -hmm. haven't been raised to speak their truth. And especially not with other men, mm-hmm. women, at least we've been raised to be able to, to commune, right. you know, mm-hmm. men have not been raised that way. And they're seeing now that that's, that men are wanting that men are needing that. But again, it's a trans we're in a transition time. Mm-hmm. So it's confusing. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say that there are women out there who are looking to be abused or are attracted to mm-hmm. abusers. Mm-hmm. I would say there are women out there like how I used to be as well, who are very confused about what they want and what they need, um, not only from a relationship, but also from themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just a lot of times we weren't we weren't taught. And also, if men aren't taught to communicate and to talk about their feelings, how could they ever do that with women? And, mm-hmm. they're, you know, if they're in relationships with women, they can't do it with their friends, even with their yes. male friends. Mm-hmm. They can't do it with their dads. How could they do it with women? Yeah. You know, so. Imagine like, and I'm not, and I'm not going to say either. I, I mean, there are men and women can be abusers as well. Um, sure. but, but statistically speaking, like it more comes from men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're, they're also trapped and, and I'm not, I, I have, I have been, um, you know, I'm a, I'm an abuse survivor as well. Um, so I'm not trying to make excuses for anyone, mm-hmm. but for future generations and for what we're doing now in this transition, mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. can allow men to have spaces like men and women, if we can, if men can create spaces for themselves and women, you know, if they're in relationships, allow men time for that where they can go and open up and, and be honest and, mm-hmm. and vent their frustrations and their thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that if we shift that way as a society, mm-hmm. you know, abuse will start to go down, mm-hmm. you know, domestic violence and stuff like that will start to go down because I think, for a long time, you know, men and also women haven't had outlets, but I think men to for for a, to a larger extent, like emotional outlets and, and verbal outlets and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now that that we're kind of shifting to a society that's more commonly dual income, you know, there's we're asking more uh, things of men to do at home mm-hmm. and uh, sharing the financial burden and sharing, you know, I'm tired from work too, kind of thing. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, and also with like, with like gay relationships, like gay men relationships and gay women relationships, mm-hmm. we're seeing that, that you don't have to be in this specific gender role and that your, your gender can, you know, you, it can be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, um, you know, like, oh, you know, that's that's the man and that's the woman in that relationship mm-hmm. of same sex relationships. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's you are who you are. And a lot of a lot of things that we're seeing is more healthy attitudes towards 
traditional gender roles and being able to like both genders being able to express themselves and be honest and vulnerable and being taught those things from an early age Mm -hmm. and taught about Mm -hmm. consent and all these things. Um, And I think we're really going to start to see a shift going forward. uh, As long, I mean, as long as that's something we continue, we're continuing to embrace, you know, in our culture and our society. Yeah. Do you, um, do you coach a lot of, um, uh, you know, same-sex couples and do you, or, and, or I don't know if, you know, if trans people end up being same-sex couples or not, but, you know, back to just same-sex couples, do you coach a lot of them? So I don't coach couples at all. Oh, um, I mean, oh, that's right. I mean, let's say that people that are looking for same-sex partners. Or- um, so I, I haven't yet, um, but, uh, you know, I've done, I, 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 this sounds so ridiculous to say like the, I have a lot of friends, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess what I would say is I have um, witnessed a lot of relationships that are same sex and I've witnessed a lot of, or, you know, um, being, being in the trans, you know, being around the trans community um, also like being very, they're being very like loved and accepted mm-hmm. uh, even as a cisgender person. Um you know, into that community. I, I haven't had clients that are trans or gay yet at this point. Um, but I think, you know, the, the cultures are a little bit different. I'm not saying that they, they also don't need these things, but they have been asking themselves these questions since mm. they were very little. Sure. I, I would say they're a lot more introspective and they're a lot more willing to put themselves out there and, maybe even uh, more willing to take risks and, and know what they want with partners because they've had, they've had to do that, you know, since they, since they were little, they've had to know like, who's safe. Am I safe with this person? Mm -hmm. You know, the way that they think is, is different um, than people who haven't had to ask themselves those questions, people who haven't had to have experiences where, you know, they need to, they need to evaluate the situation right away. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that that's, um, a, a big part of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. they just, they've always, they, they have to ask themselves, who am I? You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's, it's not, it's, it's like we, people who are cis, people who are straight. What is um, cis by the way? Oh, I'm sorry. Cisgender, yeah. What is yeah. that? This gender means that you are you identify uh, with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Okay. So like, for example, I was assigned uh, female at birth and that's how I identify. So oh. I'm cisgender. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know there was a terminology for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, so, you know, even though I'm a person of color mm-hmm. and I've definitely had to ask myself other kinds of questions, um, I haven't had to ask myself those questions because I've never felt like, you know, my gender was different than, than how people addressed me. But mm-hmm. if you can imagine, you know, feeling like that as a child um, or an adolescent mm-hmm. and having to ask yourself, like, this feels wrong. Why does it feel wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, or if you're a, a gay person who has always been presumed that they were straight because that's just the way it is or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, they've had to ask themselves for a really long time about about how they how they identify and who are they and just be very introspective mm-hmm. do you believe in traditional marriage um that's that's interesting um are you asking me personally yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 
So my my dad and I have a, a joke that if I were to get married again, like three by thirty. <laughs> three by thirty. Definitely didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I I am into my thirties at this point. <laughs> Not married for a third time, mm-hmm. but um, you know that was a that was a little joke that that mm-hmm. we would say sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that I I'm not opposed to it personally. Right. I don't I don't I don't have a I don't have the feeling of there's no reason to do it. It's just a piece of paper. I don't I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. But I also don't see that it's necessary to my situation. Mm-hmm. I think there are some situations where, you know, uh, having legal marriage is necessary and valid and, and wanted and desired. And mm-hmm. um, that's just not that's just not necessarily for my situation at this time. But mm-hmm. also I acknowledge that I can change and I can change my mind and sure. maybe I'll find someone that, that I would like to be married to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me right now, there's no rush for me. <laughs> to, oh, for sure. me to get married. <laughs> well, I mean, is, I mean, I guess technically if you're in a monogamous relationship, you're kind of married. And if you, and if you're monogamous and living together, then you basically are married. I mean, there's, I mean, there's just not really any paperwork paperwork involved, but you know, I mean, there's not much difference, but I guess how you, you know, the paperwork and maybe how you're setting up your finance. Yeah. You, you know, know I, I mean? think, I think that makes sense, but I also think that relationships are evolving as we are getting, um, you know, People, people's alternative lifestyles are getting more recognized and normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like, you know, I think for me, it, <laughs> regardless of whether or not, if I was legally married, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to always want my own room. You know, right. even if I live with someone, I'm just at this point and, you know, I kind of feel more uh, like that is how that is, as opposed to like legal marriage. I'm like open to marrying, but I'm also open to not being married again. Mm-hmm. But I really want my own room. <laughs> you know, that's like interesting that's, that you want to. Yeah. Why would you? I don't get. Uh, why would you say you want your own room? You still need your own space, or what? Or you just like yeah. to sleep in your own bed? You don't want to be with someone who snores or something? No, no. Even if, even if I mean, I'm a, I'm a very affectionate person naturally, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so even, even if I'm just like either they're in my room or I'm in their room every single night. And we sleep next to each other or cuddling each other every single night. Mm-hmm. I I just want my own things in my own space. You know. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> interesting. That, that's just important to me. But I would still, even though I have my own room, and even if I do sleep, even if I were to be in a situation with someone where I was sleeping in my own room on my own, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that or that doesn't take away from the fact that we define our relationship as we were to define it. If we mm-hmm. said yes, we're in a committed monogamous relationship. This is just a caveat. Um, and mm-hmm. I would have to be something I would have to be honest with someone. Like if they said, I'm, you know, I want to move in with you and say, well, okay, are you willing to accept that we'd have to have a living situation that had an extra bedroom because I would want my own bedroom? How yeah. would we work that out? How, how would that make you feel? You know, what mm-hmm. do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, because I know for me at the end of the day, I, I would love to come home to someone where we can cook together and, watch TV together or mm-hmm. have downtime, you know, around mm-hmm. each other um, and go, you know, go to sleep next to each other in the same room or not. But I, I really want my own room. I really want my own space. It's been important to me for quite a long time now. Hmm. What do you do with What would you do with that space? Uh, I'd have my own bed in it, my own very large king size bed also mm-hmm. <laughs> to myself. Okay. Um, no, uh, I would, I would, I'd use it for work. I'd use it for my own interests. I'm a very mm-hmm. crafty person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to compromise my, uh, 
personality and the things I like, um, mm-hmm. just to fit into right. a room with somebody else, you know? Yeah, so I like, want to make sure that that space is guaranteed. It's like you want your own man cave. Yeah, basically. But you want to yeah. be able to sleep there too, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds and, like. Know, and if, 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 People, uh, if you're in a relationship and you have an argument, I don't want to have to go sleep on the couch. I don't want to send somebody to go sleep on the couch. It'd be mm-hmm. great to just be like, hey, I need my own space. And that that I found for myself to actually be a really healthy attribute in relationships is mm-hmm. to be able to say, I need some time can, or I need some space. Can mm-hmm. I have that? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, Will you feel okay? You know that I'm, you know, I'm not leaving you or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but I just need my own space. And then the other person saying, yeah, that's okay. And then, you know, giving each other that and mm-hmm. having your own spaces and not feeling displaced as well. I think, I think that's a, a really big thing also, like, you know, kind of, kind of what we're going through right now with, with COVID and the quarantine, mm-hmm. if you have an argument and you can't leave, you know, if you go sleep on the couch, or you go sleep wherever, you know, you're in the proverbial doghouse, you feel mm-hmm. displaced in your own home. That's yes. not okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, they have the old saying that it takes a village to raise children. And I think if you go back in time, you know, a thousand years ago or 2000 years ago, Northern Europe, you know, Scandinavia, the Viking time, you know, I don't know if there was really traditional even marriage. It was just kind of like people were with each other, not with each other. You don't know whose children was whose. Um, And I think some people believe that marriage was just really ultimately created. So how to pass down wealth. Yeah. But what are your feelings now on, because it's become very popular is um, polyamorism. You know, it's like the other day I uh, saw um, right when COVID came out, it said that in the New York, I don't know, New York health department or New York public service said that, Okay, now during COVID, orgies are not a good thing to be doing right now. So I was like, well, I was like, whoa, what's going on in New York? Yeah, and then you know, then there was that. Those and th- kind of statements. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised at that statement. And I'm 50. I'm assuming you're around 30ish. So maybe I'm just a generation that I'm like, I'm I'm already an older generation and not, you know, I'm out of it from what younger people are doing now. But you know, there's also there was that California st- a congressman or something that she had to step down because it came out she was in a polyamorous relationship so what are your opinions on that and you know uh, and um do you coach people that are trying to find that type of relationship so um i definitely would say that stigmas that aren't harming people um just because it's not it's not how you are it's not how you, you know one acts or one behaves or one envisions their life, Mm -hmm. they think that it's automatically bad. You know, I I think that those are not healthy Mm -hmm. um, at just as a mindset and, and, you know, not healthy. If I feel like someone uh, has mindsets like that, um, very close minded, I I don't want to be around that person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, but I would also say, I don't think it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. Um, the communities that I have uh, been around and the people that I've gotten to know, I haven't really noticed like too much of a generational gap, except maybe even in like, maybe there's less younger people, like younger than me, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, people within the last 10 years, or, well, I think the book More Than Two, which is kind of about how to do polyamory, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the, a lot of people call it the polyamory Bible mm. um, that came out in the early 90s. Mm. And so I think 
the generation that had grown up um, during that time, which would be like 40s and 50s, had mm-hmm. to had to push a lot and fight a lot and, and a lot of times be in secrecy. So mm-hmm. maybe that might be why you don't see it as much because it's, you know, in, in people who are older because, um, which they exist, it's just that they've had a real fear of losing their families. They've had a real fear of losing their jobs. They've had a real fear of losing their children. You know, mm-hmm. they're, um, the, uh, you know, a stigmatized group, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, but like with every generation, it's kind of becoming more and more open. And now I think that people who are probably, I would say like 25 and younger, mm-hmm. it's something that they've all heard about already. So it's right. not even this big, like lifestyle change thing. And it's not even something that I think they necessarily feel like they have to go out and seek communities for, mm-hmm. which is, you know, people who are older than that. Um, they do have to they, they or they did have to seek those communities and they built like lifelong bonds, friendships, relationships, things like that, because mm-hmm. it was more of like a not well-known kind of more keep it a secret kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's not really that much. It's just kind of, honestly for dating, it's just kind of another relationship style, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And, and so that's one of the things that I that I talk to my clients about as well mm-hmm. in the first workbook, as a matter of fact is how do you feel on a scale, you know, um, in the first edition of the workbook, I use the Kinsey scale, but I've since then developed like my own scale to include gender identity as well. And like, uh, sexual identity, gender identity, relationship orientation and, mm-hmm. uh, sexual identity. And also, um, you know, like the gray scale, as far as like, uh, a person who like would be like hypersexual versus asexual, you know? So there's right. a lot of ways that, people can express their relationships and you have to know that about mm, yourself. Right. So that's like, that's, that's like in my, in my first workbook, the first week that we do this program, that's mm-hmm. what that is. It's like you need to ask yourself these questions and mm-hmm. figure out like what it is because, because you're going to, you're going to be able to find people, you know, um, who, who are, you know, you or I guess a better way to say it is, is you'll be able to find a dating pool Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to know if you're a part of that community or not. Yeah, first. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. All right. I don't want to feel like I've left people down because I did tell people that we're going to be to give, you're going to give us the five right. problems for, for that stop people from dating. So let's see, can you give us the five problems that, that, you know, stop people from dating now? Yeah. And actually, uh, I can, if you, if you want, I can, I can, you know, talk about it or I can read, I can read it to you. Whatever you, you know, you can maybe just get a, um, you know, you can just kind of give a brief synopsis of each one, you know, like number one is, you know, know who you are. If you don't know who you, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing, you know, what stops yeah. people from dating now, you know, maybe not. You yeah. Know. So can you see me? Yeah. Still? Okay. And we've kind of talked to, we've kind of touched on a lot of these. Yeah, um, I think so too. <laughs> I'll just run down them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number one is uh, super career success. These are individuals who have put all their resources into making sure that they're financially stable through their career. Okay. They're ready for a family whenever they're ready to have a relationship. But a lot of times this leaves them with little time for dating, little time for committed relationships, and maybe even little time for socializing as well. Yeah. But they're, um, they're married. Two, Would you say that those people are married to their job? Yeah. 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 And it's not, it's not a negative thing. Yeah. Just 
say that they're not practiced at at having that social romantic mm-hmm. dating interaction. Right. You know, it's, it's something that they can learn. Right. Um, which I think you know is, is, but again, it depends on the situation. It depends on if that's something the other person's willing to to mm-hmm. you know pay to play or not. So, a very important thing that you should. Uh, talk about. And if you don't talk about it, it's definitely going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so number two would be newly uncoupled. Uh, many mm-hmm. times long-term relationships don't work out. Um, and in these relationships that have just ended, people can experience loneliness or abuse, um, trauma, lack of affection, uh, being unsure how to communicate or have negative mm-hmm. communication, like learned behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe they're just comfortable being alone because you can definitely be in a relationship and, and basically like be single in a relationship. You guys are kind of like roommates at a, at a certain point that I see that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they struggle with incorporating someone new into their lifestyle, especially if they have an idea of what their a relationship should look like based mm-hmm. on their past relationship, even though it didn't work out. Right. Um, and then they have to navigate uh, the dating scene sometimes with co-parenting and sometimes with kids, you know? Yeah. So that's something that can definitely cause enough stress and anxiety to, to have someone not even want to, to date. Um, mm. So number three, social isolation. Um, there are many people today who lack social skills and there's various reasons for that. Uh, sometimes people on the, like the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. um, sometimes people who uh, just come from backgrounds where they weren't encouraged to communicate or, or maybe, you know, maybe they're even like an only child. They don't really know how to interact with other people in a healthy way. Right. Um, uh, They've created a life where they may, sorry, they may long for companionship, but they're comfortable being alone and they don't know how to, they feel a lot of anxiety about like inviting someone into their life, but also giving up this, this, situation that they've created for themselves where they are really comfortable mm-hmm. there's a lot of anxiety with that mm-hmm. um and they struggle they can struggle with uh, you know just getting to know someone new even because they don't practice those skills on a daily basis i think that's something really that's taken for granted mm-hmm. when people start dating is they think like oh you know first date we kiss or we hold hands you know second they have like this timeline because they're used to dating or they've had relationships and they take it for granted that there are people who, for whatever reason, haven't had a relationship for a while or live alone and don't, don't get affection every single day. And it's something that they have to get used to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and be able to communicate what they're feeling about those things effectively when they're introducing a new person into their life and the way they do things. Mm-hmm. I think that's taken for granted a lot. And a lot of times people feel inadequate when they, they, oh, well, if I'm dating or if I'm in a relationship, I should, you know, know how to do these things or want to do these things so much that it just comes naturally to me. And so they have this uh, inner dialogue about how to deal with their anxiety. And a lot of times, you know, they can end up stopping the relationship because they just feel so uncomfortable and they don't know how to talk about it. Right. Let me interrupt you there. I've got a question here. Um, so, uh, gamer girl would like to know, um, are you dating someone right now or are you in a relationship? And if so, how are you managing this relationship during the quarantine? Ah, okay. So that's interesting. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, thank you for that question. Um, but for my own personal reasons, I'm not going to kiss and tell at this time. Okay. (laughs) 
but um and i know what a what a letdown right mm. um <laughs> but uh, i i am going to say that um uh there's definitely things that you can do in in quarantine um to date and it's unfortunate it, if you um you know like say you're an essential worker and or you're around people who um who are uh, immunocompromised or at at higher risk and you just can't risk you know being around your partner or um you know people that you maybe you were getting to know before um they're obviously you know everything uh has shifted to online Mm -hmm. you know uh from online communication like what we're doing now um, and we get our news that way and we're, you know, people like, like watch parties are popping up and there's lots of things that, that you can do if you're not quarantined with that person. I would definitely say like, for example, um, I don't know if, if you guys have like master pancake where you are. But, uh, I don't um, even, what is that? I never even heard of that. Like Mystery Science Theater 9000. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know that? That old TV show? Yeah, so it's kind of like that, but it's for movies. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go like that's that's an excellent date in my opinion. Oh. Um, so you can go to Master Pancake like their Facebook page, and mm-hmm. they've been coming out with like movies. They've been twit like on Twitch and Facebook live streaming oh, cool. movies, and they basically just like their old movies and they make fun of them. Oh, and it's interesting. Really and it's just like a great way to kind of have that experience with someone mm-hmm. um, and still you know find some fun and and laugh a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you are quarantining by yourself, dress up. If you're going to have an online date, dress up. Don't yeah. just, you know, <laughs> come out in your sweats and all that. <laughs> yeah, I would be. Get yourself some snacks. Maybe even send them some some of their favorite snacks that they can eat while you're doing something together online. Um, if you're quarantining with someone, I was just talking about this the other day. There's a couple <laughs> of really interesting um uh, things that you can do together. So like if you, if you have a favorite board game, for example, change the rules, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can, you can be, uh, playing that game over and over and over. And every time you make a new rule and it's different every single time until you get to that like perfect version, that's like just hard enough, but still fun. Mm -hmm. Um, also there's, uh, um, online, I don't know if you've heard of it, but the 36 questions that lead to love that was, I can't remember who created it, Hmm. but, um, so it's, it's typically like 36 questions that you ask someone, um, and they're very, they can get very vulnerable. They're like increasingly vulnerable questions Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to do it all in one sitting. It takes about an hour, an hour and a half. Wow. Um, You can do that online or you can do that with the person you're quarantining with. And a lot of times these are questions that aren't going to come up in like our day-to-day routine of a person that we're living with. Mm-hmm. And you think that you know someone so well, if you've been with them, especially if you've been with them long-term in quarantine, but these questions are so vulnerable and, um, and honest and emotional. And when we're discussing, they, they format it in a way that it's an open-ended answer, not just like yes or no. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times your your real thoughts about these things and questions even that you have or conflicts that you've experienced are coming out. Mm-hmm. It's like you're getting to know each other all over again. Yeah. Um, another thing that I would say to do is put on a workshop for them. And you can do this online mm-hmm. or you can do this um, in at your home. So uh, something that you really love or maybe something that you've been researching or reading about or some kind of uh, craft or tangible thing that you have been doing, create an actual workshop 
and put it on for that person. Like let them sit through it. Let them see your excitement about this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and let, and then let them do that for you. And it's a really like intimate way of sharing a big part of yourself. If you're going to put a workshop on for someone, mm-hmm. you know, a lot about this thing is important to you. Right. Um, so those are, those are some of my like go-to ideas right now that are like a little bit more involved. Another good quick one, if you're quarantining with someone or you could do it online as well, cook, cook with somebody. Yeah. You know, maybe if you're online, cook the same dish and see, like, talk about how it tastes, see if it comes out different, see if you guys, you know, chop vegetables differently or mm-hmm. maybe your noodles differently or something like that. Um, or if you're together, dress up, look really nice, get some get some fun snacks, like you could get a, a bag of popcorn to, like, shoot into each other's mouth or something while the, while you know, the potatoes are boiling or whatever. Right. Um, just, just be connective. You know, right. whether or not it's online and, and be creative and put yourself into the dates, you know, and treat mm-hmm. it like a date, treat it like a date. Um, you know, Amazon is is still up and running and you can send them little little packages for your date. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, please dress up. Please, please, please dress mm-hmm. up. Oh, it's interesting. <laughs> Do you, uh, you know, I, it's interesting that um, I wonder now. You know, because I haven't been in. The, I've been I've been married for 15 years, and I'm totally out of the dating world. But are people now, especially in quarantine time, I wonder if what's going on is maybe somebody will meet somebody on on a website like Match or whatever, and then they'll say, "Okay, let's schedule as you know." I hate that we use the word schedule, but let's have a Zoom date, and we'll meet Friday night from whenever to whenever and they'll just kind of like you do they can you know have snacks or just hang out or dress up and each have a glass of wine and what do whatever is that what's going on in the dating world now do you find do you know about that or find that to be true i think that that one of my friends um described described this quarantine and yes i think that at at this point, maybe probably for the last like four weeks or so, that's been a higher trend. Mm. Finding out how to connect more um, with people who are outside of your home or connect in a more positive way with people who are inside of your home, a more loving, caring, um, open way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the first part of it, what I heard a lot was it's like the, the way my friend described it was really beautiful. It's like the entire world is taking this collective breath. Mm-hmm. You're just like, and, yeah. and we all have the same worries. We all have the same fears. We're, we're literally in isolation, but with the entire world. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people have been using this time to really think about, um, you know, kind of like the things that I, that I want them to think about in my program is like, well, what do I want out of life? What am, what am I doing? Because they've, they've been forced to stop their routine. They've been right. forced to to uh, take that collective breath, take a pause, take a beat and think about who they are and what their life is. Right. So yes, I have been seeing that like online dating trends, uh, articles coming out about that and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And even media, you know, coming out a little bit more like uh, I think Facebook, they rolled out their dating Mm -hmm. um, plugin or whatever. Their their dating app uh, like at the end of last year, I think, or the beginning of this year. And now I just read an article saying that they are putting in a feature where people can date online through similar to zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the world is kind of turning more that way out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the, but yeah, I think at the beginning it was kind of more like we're individually taking this breath and now we're moving more towards like, how do we reconnect again? Yeah. 
All right, I'm sorry I interrupted you. So I know you've got two more left of your five problems that stop you from dating. Let's get those other two in. All right. So number four is the dating app loop. Um, for those who are actively dating through apps online, there can be an unrealistic expectation of the dating process. We talked about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, you meet someone in real life after investing your time uh, chatting online only to find that they misrepresented themselves in some way. This doesn't necessarily mean catfishing, mm -hmm. although that can happen. Um, they can be just like their pictures, but in trying to put themselves in the most positive light, you know, they in most interesting light, you know, they actually aren't as into the things that they that they said they were online. And maybe you find that out and you're like let down a little bit disappointed because mm -hmm. um, you have these expectations because everyone online is trying to put their best foot forward. But that can also create kind of like this this expectation facade like you well I thought you were like this you know and it turns yeah. out you get grumpy you have bad days or you yeah. you know whatever the, whatever the flaw is mm -hmm. because people are so used to not presenting their flaws on their dating profiles those are things that you you end up maybe sometimes even feeling like a little misled or a little cheated mm -hmm. um and that can cause a lot of tension in the relationship later on sure um and that's if you get to that first meeting or that first date at all. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be a lot of low self-esteem issues attributed to like online dating um, because people are experiencing constant rejection. Uh, people are putting out mass messages, um, the same message to every single person, like copy and paste, you know, and just because they're waiting to see, like, maybe I'll get one back, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't, and they're putting out like 50 messages a day or swiping right consistently, consistently, even if they're not actually attracted to the person or they don't actually think that they have matching interests, mm -hmm. uh, it's like a numbers game for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting the numbers you think you should be getting back, that can be a really big blow to your self-esteem right. and make you, I mean, a lot of people just delete their apps, you know, and, and then like, well, dating's not for me, you know, um, which is, is obviously not the experience that you want, but that is like the negative side of dating through apps and dating online. A lot of times, um, number five relationship needs and wants. We talked about this a lot. Right. Uh, authentic dating can come with a lot of anxiety and vulnerability, but the truth is to have and maintain a successful relationship. You need to know what your needs and wants are before the first date, being able to look someone in the eye and tell them what you want for your future with a partner is scary, but it prevents you from wasting your time, money, energy on someone who really isn't a good match for you in the long run. Yeah. Okay. So the five problems that stop you from dating um, because those are all things that, that can have a negative effect on our thoughts, our emotions, um, even, even it can have, uh, you know, when you when we start to get into like anxiety or depression or low self-esteem that can affect us physically as well as those other things. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of times people think I'm just not I'm just not made for dating. I'm just not made for relationships. And actually, that's not true. It's just so much time is wasted um, trying to connect with people who aren't actually a good fit for you. You 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 have like you're tired. You right. know, you, you use that energy to continue going and doing it again right. and trying it again. Um, and and so that's what I mean, I guess like, like wrapping it up or whatever, that's that's what I'm trying to show people is that 
when you know yourself, you mm-hmm. can date authentically, you can be open, you can be vulnerable and practice a lot of what, what my workbooks are, are practice, practicing saying these things, practicing having that conversation, mm-hmm. um, practicing asking for these things and after they're identified, you know, and so that way you're not in a relationship, you're not dating. And then like six months down the road, you find out that, that, you know, there was, I mean, essentially like, yes, I'm sure that, you know, there were good things or whatever, but essentially you have to start over all over again. And that's, that's draining to your soul. Right. You know, it's not just draining in all these different ways. It's, it's draining to your heart. You, you, like I was saying at the very beginning, I felt like I was a failure, mm-hmm. failure at marriage, mm-hmm. failure at relationships. Um, and that, that did not give me good positive characteristics to present or offer up to any people that I dated after that until I realized, you know, I have a lot to offer, but I have to prove that to myself first. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn how to communicate that to people so right. that they not. Yeah. All right. Well, what is the best way for people to find out more about you? Yeah. So I am on Twitter and I, it's kind of hilarious. I have like different handles for everything. Um, but yeah, and I, and I guess I haven't like memorized them yet. Mm-hmm. So pardon, pardon me. <laughs> so they can, how would they, if they want to reach out to you, do they reach out to you on Twitter, on Facebook, on yeah. a website? So my, so my website is new constructions. Can you, can you say, uh, can you say that again? Um, you're having like some audio issues and oh, I could, sorry. Okay. So, um, my website is under construction. It's probably like 75% done. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm being a perfectionist about it because I've seen a lot of other people, um, have their websites and they, you go to it and it says under construction, but you can still email them through their website. Right. Maybe yeah. I should do that instead of trying to make it perfect. Right. But, um, I'm on TikTok, which is at dating AF. So that's like a, little pun that I thought was super clever when I, when I started signing up for these social medias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Instagram and Facebook are the same. It's Alex Floyd dating coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Twitter is at Alex Floyd dating. And I actually um, just really started, you know, getting on uh, these social media, social media outlets and talking, you know, on these platforms um, very recently within like the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So they're all very new, but yeah, please. You can you can direct message me on most of these. Um, you can comment. Uh, you can follow me or or like or heart. I'm also on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. as Alex Floor Dating Coach, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to bolster that as well with some more videos. Um, and so, yeah, find me, reach out, like let's have a chat. Mm-hmm. All right. Be two free books as uh, well. Two um, <laughs> coming out soon. Okay. Um, what projects are you working on right now that people should know about? Yeah. So that, there we go. That was a good segue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the two free eBooks that I'm working on right now, um, let me go ahead and, and pull those up so that way I can give the exact information about what they are. Um, let me see. I know what the concepts are, but I want to give you the, the actual titles. Trying not to be too wordy, but you can for me that's a really difficult thing. <laughs> um, so the first one is called The Committed, a free ebook for men who are ready to stop dating and find long-lasting commitment. So it's kind of like that same idea of like, what do I what do I need to do um, to get ready to to if if you are 
in a in a spot where you are ready to have a family, mm-hmm. but you know you haven't started that super career success person or the social isolation person, you know whichever. Um, it's it's helping you uh, think about asking you the questions and helping you think about what you would need to offer that and how you would offer that to someone. Um, you know while you're dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, if you're already ready, you know you're ready. You want either marriage, or you want children, or you want um, just a long, a long-term committed relationship. And then the second one is uh, geared towards women. Let me just pull that up real quick. That one's called um, connective dating, identifying men who are ready to date you now. So that's a little bit more like um, kind of like you were you were talking about. And I think is a is a common uh, generalization, which is like women are attracted to men who aren't ready or men who aren't, you know, uh, mature or the, you know, the bad boys or whatever who aren't going to treat them right. All these things. So I think more has to do with putting a, a spotlight on some of those characteristics of the men who are ready and helping uh, women be able to identify what those characteristics are. Okay. Before we wrap it up, I've got some more questions here. Would you like to answer some more? Yeah, yeah. I can do a couple more. Sure. Um, I got one that says, so you don't want to... People, I guess, want to know about your about you more. They say um, it says that you don't want to talk about your current da- dating situation, um, but are you authentic with your clients? Like, is this? I guess she, this woman is trying to say you're not saying on the podcast what your dating situation is, but if one of your clients asked you, would you give out that information or not? Um, you know, I think I think that. It, even though, like, I'm not a therapist, I think it's very important to maintain um, uh, a certain, uh, or I guess not create a conflict of interest. I wouldn't want to say, yes, I'm dating this person who's right. like this, or I'm in this relationship who's like this, and, you know, talk about what my interests are. and talk. I mean, that's not the reason why we're there. So right. it's not a matter of whether I'm authentic or not with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that the reason why my clients would be there is so that they can learn how to date, not so that they can learn how to date me. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And then I guess the only thing I will say uh, to be a little bit more authentic and, uh, and being very nice about this, um, I have some pretty nosy exes. Oh. So, <laughs> Oh, that's that's a, all I have to say about that. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, who knows? It could be an ex asking these questions. I have no idea. Um, all right, let's see another. Let's see. Um, which I think he came in late, but um, uh, the, I think this person came in late, so he, his question may not really be accurate. And accurate's not the right word, but just not the right question. But he was wanting to know what are your success. What are your success percentages like? That's interesting. So mm-hmm. I do not have a large enough database yet to mm-hmm. pull like that kind of information together. Mm-hmm. And also, um, as I'm not a matchmaker, it's a little bit different than talking about the success of like dating apps. Like, well, what are the success? What is the success rate of people leaving the dating app? So that way, you know, in a in a committed relationship. And also with that question, like. How far down the line are they talking about? Like, what are they talking about? Marriages? Are they talking about just 
you know, past six months committed relationships when we mm-hmm. came together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have that information yet. I, I do know that um, the people who have gone through my program um, that have done the entire thing have said, you know, that, that this is something that um, was really meaningful to them mm-hmm. and was really, um, you know, helpful for them. And it was, it was something that gave them new insight mm-hmm. uh, into what it is that, you know, that they want and, and uh, insight about themselves. A lot of times it's like this transformation, this changing of looking at yourself in a different light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, I definitely have had past clients, you know, um, call me up and want to talk about what it is that they're going through currently in their relationship. And again, I'm just, you know, here's a disclaimer again, I'm not a relationship coach, mm-hmm. but, um, there's still that. So the idea is, you know, you go through the program, um, mm-hmm. and you can have, you can do the workbooks. We have one-on-one sessions as part of the program. Um, we talk about things, we discuss things, but when you finish the program, um, you know, it's kind of like, like you, you go out, you have your relationships, you start dating Mm -hmm. and I can definitely still be there for like one-on-one sessions. But Mm -hmm. the goal of mine is not to have you keep coming back week Mm -hmm. after week, after week, after week. Yes. So So your goal is, I guess, just to help them figure out what, who they are, what they want, and then help them meet the people that they, what they want. And then that's yeah, it. Well, yeah. If they have their own relationships problems, that's with another therapist. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, I, I could do some referrals. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right. Let me see if there's anything else here that I need to ask before we wrap it up. Um. Uh, um all right, I guess we're probably okay. So before or as we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you'd like to share with everybody? Yeah, um, I would just like to say, um, whatever your circumstance is, you are you're not a failure. Uh, everything is a learning curve, and mm-hmm. like what we've talked about, communication is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Overcoming trauma is a learning curve. Um, mm-hmm. Learning how to open up, there's a mm-hmm. learning curve. It's it's not impossible to Mm -hmm. connect with someone Mm -hmm. in a in a very healthy honest way Mm -hmm. it's just we we have to get to the place where we're able to do that and a lot of times uh you need a helping hand with that but it does not mean that there's anything wrong with you or you're a failure you know if you haven't had a relationship for a while or you're or you're dating you know it doesn't work out or your relationships don't work out Mm -hmm. just means that you know there's a, you just gotta, you gotta find that learning curve and, and then meet someone who can meet you where you're at also. Yeah. That's great. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for joining us and giving, you know, some of your time this evening. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was awesome. This was my, my first interview. So thank you so much for coming up with all these thoughtful questions and opening up to, to the audience to ask questions. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful format to have. So yeah. thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And, um, um, before we go, I want to tell all the Twitch people out there that tomorrow I will be having a podcast with a woman that's a professional bodybuilder in her 60s. Oh, uh, I love that. And uh, she has an amazing body. She's amazingly fit. So I hope you guys come back tomorrow. It'll probably be around the same time, 8 p.m. Central, I think, when we're supposed to get started. And she'll be telling you how to work out at home if you can't go to the gym. So, uh, 
So thank you guys for, for being here with us on Facebook and Twitch. All right. So that's it. That was a great podcast. Thank you so much. And um, I wish you the best. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you all who uh, asked questions and who were here listening. I really appreciate you. All right. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.